This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to Hard Currency from the Financial Times, our weekly podcast touring the world's biggest market. I'm Michael Hunter, and joining me this week is Stephen Saywell, Global Head of FX Strategy at BNP Paribas. Stephen, you're very welcome. And there is only one place to start this week, the Federal Reserve. Do you think that Janet Yellen really wants to be the Grinch who raised rates at Christmas? No, (laughs) we don't think she will. I think it's very interesting to look at what happened this week with the Fed. Our view is that if you look right across the curve, and that means out to probably the end of next year, the market is not pricing in enough Fed tightening. And I think what the Fed is trying to do is to close that gap between their expectations and what the market is thinking. So I think while it's safe to say she's kept a December hike alive, I think it's going to be data dependent. We don't think the data will be good enough. But what she's trying to do is price in more tightening into next year. Okay, And we have had some confusion here before with the market's perceptions of the level of clarity with the signals from the Fed. We had September, the 50-50 rate call that never was in the end. What do you think about the way in which they're handling forward guidance? Well, it's difficult. And It's difficult for them, but they're probably not doing a fantastic job. I think the key point here is we know the Fed is data watching. They don't have a crystal ball. Nobody has a crystal ball. So they're going to respond to how the data comes out. I think what's confusing here is since the previous statement in September, the data has actually worsened. But despite that, we've got, let's face it, a more hawkish signal from the Fed. So I think that leads us to view that they are trying to close that gap between what the market is pricing in and what they think they will do. And what levels are you looking at on the dollar around that argument, around that sense that you're getting there? Okay, well, this is a good point. We've been very bullish for the dollar. We remain bullish for the dollar. But in the short term, we actually put a short euro dollar recommendation out at 114.50. The target was 109. That was reached last night. So we actually took profit on that. That's almost a 5% gain. Were you surprised by that? How well prepared were you for that? Well, given that we had the short recommendation on, we were pretty prepared for it. So we believed in... But even that quickly? I think the key point we would highlight here is the market wasn't pricing in enough potential of Fed tightening. And I think Janet Yellen has convinced the market to price in more of that. So... Like I said, we took profit. We closed that at 109. It doesn't mean we're not still bullish for the dollar, but it may be that euro dollar is now not the best way to reflect dollar strength from here. It may be that there's better opportunities, for example, against the commodity block currencies, which haven't moved as much as euro dollar. So I think from our perspective, what we've done is actually shifted the game from short euro dollar, probably made the gains on that. But there's probably more now in, say, the dollar against the Canadian dollar, the Australian dollar, the New Zealand dollar. So there's still 
room in those pairs for this kind of feeling to knock through into the market perhaps a little bit more than it's done in euro dollar i think absolutely because i think we've had the big surprise from mr Druggy at the ecb he was very dovish last week he signaled to the market that more easing is coming it's effectively priced into the market about 80 percent priced into the market where i think there could be surprises from the reserve bank of australia we have a view they cut at their next meeting at the beginning of December. We also think the Bank of Canada could ease going forward. This is not necessarily in the market. So I think that could be the next move now as the dollar appreciates. Okay, and of course, Mario Draghi's very, very dovish signals were pointing to the same month, to December, to further quantitative easing from the ECB, in whatever form that may take, changing the pool of assets they'll buy, maybe lengthening the contracts, whichever actual form the extension of that QE ends up taking coinciding perhaps with a December rate rise now I know you think the US rate rise will come later but looking just at volatility and the kind of swings we can expect around that towards the end of the year are you fearful about what might happen or is this a big opportunity for you Um, we think the trend is clear that the dollar continues to rise and you're right. I think December is a is a, an interesting month because you will get cleared policy divergence, and you will. We, we spoke about the euro. We think the ECB delivers on that. We think the market will price in more Fed tightening as we go forward. Whether they move in December or March, the market will still price in Fed tightening. So, from our perspective, this is an opportunity. We would recommend staying long the dollar. We just need to be a bit tactical on which currency pairs we sell against a rebounding dollar. Okay, and and you're looking now, as you said earlier, at the commodity currencies and some other emerging markets currencies. Is there anything that really catches your eye? Well, yes, I I think a key one I would say here are um, Australia, uh, New Zealand and Canada, because I think um, we can get rate cuts from all three of those central banks. And Australia particularly is not priced in, particularly in the near term, November or December. We also like being short the Asian currencies, because we think the Chinese will continue to allow a moderate depreciation of the renminbi against a rebounding dollar. Again, the market's a bit confused about that because that actually hasn't happened in the, the last few weeks, but we think it will continue. I think the three currencies we would like to stay short in Asia against the dollar are the Korean won, the new Taiwan dollar, and the Singapore dollar. And we think these are the countries that have a strong exposure to China and also we're likely to see a tit-for-tat policy response from their central banks against the PBOC, allowing a weaker renminbi. No escape even now from the central banks of the world. And there's one we must mention that we haven't touched on yet this week, Mark Carney's Bank of England. Mm-hmm. Now, there's been a general sense in the market, which we've picked up on occasionally here, that Mr Carney doesn't really want to be the guy to go first in terms of lifting rates. He'd rather go after the Federal Reserve. First of all, do you buy into that logic? Do you think there is a signal from the bank in some way that they will probably rather leave it to Janet Yellen to make the first post-crisis rate hike? And do you think, if that logic is the case, that what we're seeing from the Fed frees up the Bank of England a little bit more? Okay, this is a really interesting point. I think in an ideal world, Mark Carney would love to wait for the Fed to go. We tend to think he will have that opportunity. So our call at BNP Paribas is May for the Bank of England. That's after March from the Fed. But the key point I would say is I think there's much more pressure on Mark Carney to hike rates than there is on Janet Yellen. And the reason for that is wage inflation. The UK is already seeing wage growth. 
start to pick up. The US is not. So the clock is ticking more for Mark Carney than for Janet Yellen. So, for example, if we're wrong on March, say the Fed doesn't go in March, it doesn't. It has to wait till longer, the Bank of England may have to go ahead of the Fed. It may not want to, but for a credibility point of view, it may need to. And we think the biggest dislocation at the moment in the market is between what we're thinking on when the Bank of England goes and what the market's thinking. The market is pricing in nothing for 2016. We think that's a huge opportunity given that wage inflation is already out there in the UK economy. Okay, so there's going to be an awful lot of attention on the old lady of Threadneedle Street. Absolutely. And we think the best way to trade that from a currency perspective is long sterling versus the low yielders like the euro. So we think sterling will do very, very well against the euro as the market, I think, adjusts to an earlier rate hike from the Bank of England than what it's currently priced in. Excellent, Stephen Saywell. Thank you very much indeed for your time. That's it from us for this week. Roger Blitz will be back at the helm of hard currency next week. And in the meantime, you can stay bang up to date at ft.com slash fx and at fastft.